But Jesus makes a strong contrast. He gives hope and he says, I have come, verse 10, in the middle, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He says, I want my sheep to have life and then to have life more abundantly. There's two promises there, not just one, there's two. And I want to remind us that through Jesus, we can be protected from the thief that wants to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, no, I've come to give life, and I've come to give it more abundantly. My question for you then is, do you have this life that Jesus offers? And do you have this more abundant life that Jesus offers? Both of them are offered to you in Jesus. And this is where I find that the shepherd gives life. The good shepherd gives life. The shepherd that we have with power and heart, he's a life-giving shepherd. That's why verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives going to contrast this with the hired hand who does not give his life for the sheep. And there's a way in which we can completely understand this, can't we? You know, if, if you had a friend that says, you know, I'm going away on vacation, I'm leaving to watch my dog. Great. You know, I'll be happy to watch your dog. Bring it on, bring it on over. Now, you might want to have met this dog first before you say that, right? You know, because there's all sorts of dogs. I was at a friend's house this week, and he had a pit bull. And I got to tell you, normally when you see a pit bull, you kind of get worried, you know. Just such a moment.
before that, look at verse 16. Verse 16, he says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now, verse 16 is a really important verse, especially to understand the context of all that Jesus is talking about. Last week we made mention that when Jesus talked about the fold, that he was speaking of, of Judaism and the religion of Judaism and the, and the sheep would be those under the teaching of the religious leaders of Judaism. But here he says, I have other sheep. Now that's good news for you and me because I've never been a part of Judaism and I've never been a Jew and I've never been to a synagogue. I don't think I've ever been to a synagogue. Um, that's not my background. I've never been a part of that fold. But Jesus in verse 16 says, there's other sheep that are not of this fold. And Jesus came and ministered primarily amongst the Jewish people. A lot of people don't recognize that fact, that he didn't take his gospel preaching out of the Gentile areas. He preached to the Jews. And, and so he said here, I have other sheep that are not a part of this fold. There's others that will hear my voice. There's others that will become my sheep. They're not of this fold. They're not of Judaism. That's not who they are. These sheep, these other sheep, they're going to come later. I must bring them also. Remember, he says, they shall hear my voice. So they're going to hear my voice. They're going to come. And just like they're assembly, he's referencing Jew and Gentile together in the church. And so later when he says there shall be one fold, the idea of fold there is not the structure, but the fold is the, the flock itself, a uh, group of sheep. And then it says one shepherd. So the word fold, there are different Greek words. One refers to the structure and the other refers to the flock, if you will. And he says, I'm going to bring them. I'm going to bring them. They're, they're going to be my sheep. There's going to be one shepherd. And, and this is how this picture is going to be developed. In the past, we have this flock, this fold, this set of sheep, and I'm calling people to myself. And there's Jews coming to me. And in the future, there will be Gentiles coming to me. There's one reason why I think it's quite clear the church didn't start in Ventura, Echo Theology Center. Some people uh, see the church as being functioning at this very moment, that the children of the future is still focusing on the Israel Gentiles. So we see what he's going to do in the future, the sheep uh, being added and following him. But now I want to focus on verse 17. And he really brings home this point about laying down his life. Therefore, Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. This statement is very, very important. And if I could say there's one, um, not one main thing, but certainly one popular misconception about Jesus and Christianity is this. It's that Jesus loves Christians. People say, who knows Jesus? Well, the Jews know Jesus. The Romans know Jesus. Judas knows Jesus. And this idea that Someone, you know, Pilate wouldn't have killed him. Please just be so much better off. No, that is not at all true. Jesus here clearly says, I lay down my life. And what so many don't understand is that when Jesus went to the cross, he could easily have chosen to avoid the cross. Even in the garden, he prayed to his father and asked if there was any other way. And the father said, no, go to the cross. But the point was, Jesus had the ability, he had the power 
to not go to the cross. Now we know that he would always obey his father. So he did go to the cross. But simply put, Jesus gave his life. And he says in verse 17, I am giving my life. I'm laying it down. And he says, my father loves me. And I'm going to take it again. I'm going to take it back. Before Jesus ever died, he knew he was going to take his life back. He knew he was going to rise from the grave three days later. And so Jesus here, months and months before the cross, says, I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to take my life back. So he's going to lay down his life for why? For what purpose? For his sheep. For his sheep. The Bible is very clear that Jesus died in order to give life. How is it that he gave his life, and how is it that he gives us life? Well, the Bible teaches us that while he was on the cross, Jesus was suffering for the sin of the world. Now, if you picture the wolves, you remember the wolves that we talked about? I want you to, if you can, hold your place and turn to Psalm 22. Now, if you don't want to turn there, you can just listen. But in Psalm 22, we have a prophecy hundreds of years before Christ's death of what he would experience on the cross. And I want you to listen to the picture that is used here, okay? Psalm 22. And this is uh, a description of what Jesus went through when he was on the cross. Now, we won't read the whole thing. You're welcome to read it all later. But I want you, we'll pick up in verse 12, and I want you to see how it describes him. Verse 12 says, Many bowls have surrounded me. Strong bowls of Bashan have surrounded me. They gaped at me with their mouths, like a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my heart. My strength is dried up like a piece of pottery, and my tongue clings to my jaws, and you have brought me to the dust. Now notice the next line. For dogs have surrounded me. The assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divided my garments among them and cast lots on my clothing. But do not be far from me, O Lord. O my strength, do hurry to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for you have heard me from the horns of the wild. What we see here is a picture of Jesus and the evil that has surrounded him on the cross. All the wickedness that surrounds him. And when Jesus said he would lay down his life for us, it goes far beyond wolves like we think of them. This is the powers of evil. This is the powers of Satan, the power of sin and death. And Jesus went to that cross and he stood between us and all that evil. When he went and he gave his life, he defeated the powers of evil. All of that evil was taken upon himself, and then he comes back to life three days later to show that the power of death has been broken. And, and Jesus says, my father loves me because I'm going to do this. And then in verse 18, he says, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I See the authority that Jesus has here. He has power to give his life. He has power to take back his life. We won't look at all the scriptures, but even when Jesus did die, the scriptural 
You know, there is specific traits of someone who is demon-possessed. 